I think what really came across to me writing this book was Max's essential humanity and how he saw science very much uh, as a tool for improving the human condition. Obviously, it was something that he pursued with a passion for its own interest, but at the back of the mind, he did see it uh, as a humane enterprise and something that could change the world for the better if it was applied appropriately. And this very much emerges in the writing that he began to do uh, after his retirement from the, the chairmanship of the Laboratory of Molecular Biology uh, when he began to get more and more opportunities to write particularly for publications such as the New York Review of Books, uh, for whom he wrote a number of essay reviews uh, from the, the 1980s onwards. Uh, and they very much uh, show his, uh, his view of science and scientists as actors in the world who, who can have a good influence on society. He was perhaps um, more optimistic about the, the beneficial uh, um, uses of technology than, than perhaps some more cynical figures might feel. But I think that was part of his charm, really, that um, he, he had this great faith that um, human ingenuity could be used to solve human problems. Uh, and was a champion of that view, and I think I think science needs its champions. It might also surprise some people to know how engaged he was behind the scenes. He was an active campaigner on behalf of the human rights of scientists in other countries, um, indefatigably writing letters to uh, try to get people released from prison or um, to uh, enable people to emigrate from countries such as the former Soviet Union if they wished to. Uh, and this was something that he didn't particularly make public, um, but he was always ready to support uh, a cause in, in the interests of, of freedom and in the interests of practicing science in a free and, and open manner. And where he could act privately to help young scientists to get a research fellowship so that they could study uh, overseas. Uh, he, if he was in a position to do that, then he often would. And again, he did this in a quiet way. It wasn't something he was very public about. But there are a number of scientists, successful scientists working today, who will testify to the practical help he gave them at critical times in their careers in order to get a foot on the ladder. But of course, what really drove Max was the science itself, beginning with wanting to know the structure of the haemoglobin molecule. And uh, I'm, I think everyone's aware that it took a very long time to get the low resolution structure, something like 22 years. Um, but I was particularly interested to trace the kind of highs and lows uh, that Max went through when he thought he'd got solutions, when actually he was still very far from a solution, uh, and the real highs that came when he actually began to see that he was on the right track and that the solution would reveal itself sooner rather than later. Um, I think uh, as a story of persistence in the face of tremendous difficulty, uh, there, there's little, it's hard to beat the stories of these early molecular structures, both uh, Dorothy Hodgkin with insulin uh, and Max Perutz and John Kendrew with um, haemoglobin and myoglobin, uh, are, are remarkable stories of uh, a quest that was embarked on at a time when the technology simply wasn't available to reach the solution. I don't think they knew that at the time they started. Um, um, but they obviously just put their faith in science to provide them with the tools they would need at the time that they needed them, and, and that duly happened. 
Uh, and of course, having found that, that initial structure, uh, it wasn't enough for him. Again, this is a difference from Dorothy Hodgkin. The structure itself wasn't enough. He really wanted to know how it worked. And, and, and the story of how he went on to understand what he called the breathing molecule, the haemoglobin molecule that opens and closes as it picks up and, and drops oxygen and really to see uh, a biochemical process in this mechanical light he was really the first to do that uh, is itself a remarkable story and one that just went on and on he, he found new things to new questions to ask of his molecule uh, its relation to disease he worked with clinicians to look at uh, abnormal forms of the molecule in people who had a variety of blood diseases uh, he looked at species differences in order to get a handle on molecular evolution. Uh, his interest in the haemoglobin molecule was pretty much never-ending. Uh, and yet, of course, remarkably, uh, towards the end of his life, when he'd, he'd passed the age of 80, he found a new interest, and that was in the structures of molecules that are altered in Huntington's disease. Uh, and he really, although he didn't find a solution to the problem of what was going wrong in Huntington's disease, he, he really kick-started the idea that a molecular approach might get somewhere. Uh, and uh, I think the story of how he just kept going throughout his life and, and he never ran out of scientific ideas that he wanted to pursue and inspired others all the way along the line uh, has been a remarkable story.